PDPW On Demand. Here's Bill Baker. Welcome to the PDPW Podcast, where this week we focus on our words. Our guest Tom Thibodeau reminds us that one of the biggest punishments we could give one another is giving each other the silent treatment. So today, Tom encourages us to have meaningful conversations where our words honor, respect, and lift up those around us. So here's Tom Thibodeau with this week's PDPW podcast titled, The Power of Our Conversations. Well, Bill, it's always good to talk with you, and today we're going to be talking about talking and listening. The Power of Our Conversations. Conversation comes from two Latin words, conversatio, which means to turn towards each other. When we turn towards each other, we engage each other. And when we engage each other, we begin to seek understanding, common ground, and ways in which we can work for solutions beyond our individual control. The opposite of conversation, of course, is aversion, aversatio, to turn away from each other, to walk away from each other, to not talk with each other. Isn't it rather extraordinary? Is that one of the ways in which we can punish somebody is to give them the silent treatment or the greatest punishment in our country is solitary confinement where you are not allowed to talk with another human being. Conversation is the way in which we build relationships, but more importantly, we shape our lives, we shape our communities, our workplaces, and our democracies by the way in which we talk to and with each other. Confucius over 2,500 years ago said, the rectification of a society begins with the reclamation of language. Let me repeat that. The rectification of a society begins with the reclamation of language. To go back and to understand the power of our culture, the power of our communities, is to understand the ways in which we talk to and with each other. Words form the environment in which we thrive, or, if you will, shrivel up and die. Everyone has had the experience of being invited to someone's home, maybe for dinner or for some social, and you get to the door and they ask you to come in and they ask you, would you like a beverage? And you say, most certainly. And so you sit down as they go off into the kitchen. And as you're sitting there, you stare at the walls where you can see the icicles that have already formed. There's a sense of coldness and a distance in the room. There was an argument that had taken place five minutes before you got there, but the words hung heavy in the room and were very painful, if you will, as you sat there. In another situation, you walk into other places, and immediately there's a sense of warmth, a hospitality. Goodness is palpable. The goodness of the conversations, the ways in which people treat each other and talk with each other, permeates the place because of their words that people have spoken to and with each other. Words are as powerful as love. Some of us have never been back to a high school reunion because what people said to us in our junior year, 50 and 60 years later, isn't it extraordinary how those words stay with us for a lifetime? And when your parents die, you never forget the last words they've spoken to you. Words are sacred. I had an opportunity to work with a, with a medical school, and afterwards a kindly doctor who had begun the program came up and spoke to me, and he said, thank you so very much. The words of encouragement that you spoke to these young doctors is so terribly important. And then he recounted that over 46 years ago, when he was a young resident in surgery at an East Coast hospital, he was sitting there and he's watching during his clinical rotation of surgery, and the surgeon contaminated 
surgical area twice. This young man had been taught in his medical training that when you see a mistake like that, you should tell the surgeon they're probably not aware. And so he went up and he said, excuse me, doctor, um, I don't mean uh, to, to interrupt or be disrespectful, but the surgical area has been contaminated twice. And the surgeon turned around and said, what's your name? He told him his name and he said, you shut up. Go over there and stand in the corner. I don't want to hear another word out of you. And this doctor, 71 years of age, recounted 46 years ago when he was humiliated and tears welled up and rolled down his cheeks. Words are as powerful as love. They last for a lifetime. The way in which we do speak to one another creates relationships that we form, the communities that we live in. Isn't it amazing? Old school, back in the day, we'd say to somebody, he was a person of his word. She gave her word and always kept it. It's important to understand that trust is built by the conversations that we have. Can we trust others' word to do what they say they're going to do, to fulfill the commitments that they made, the promises that they have kept? The power of our language. Researchers from the University of Washington, one of the homes of people with young children, gave them a clicker for the right hand. Every time something positive was said, to click the right hand. Every time something negative was said, to click the left hand. And the researchers sat in the house for a week. At the end of one week, the average number of positive comments exchanged in the family were 19. The average number of negative comments exchanged in the family, 378. Then the researchers went into people's workplaces and actually found that we talk to the people that we work with better than the people that we live with. How important it is to recognize the impact that we have on the lives of other people. My mom used to always say that. My dad used to always say that. Why did they always say it? Well, obviously, we weren't paying attention. But the things that we do remember, they said, last us for a lifetime. The recollection of how we were brought up and the things that adults said to us, the words that teachers spoke to us, the words that coaches use to encourage us are terribly important and formative. But the same thing is true in the workplace. When you're doing an assessment and evaluation of someone else's work, yes, you might have a form that you fill out with a Likert scale of one to five, but people aren't interested in your numbers. People are interested in your comments. What did you have to say about me. I was working with a manufacturing company and I was talking about the importance of giving people encouragement and positive feedback because encouragement is feedback. It helps people to grow and to develop. And I asked that person to write down all the people that he was supervising and he had 19 people and then write down next to each person's name what was one thing that you would miss about them if they weren't there. What is one way in which they contributed to the work of the group and to the organization that we would miss if that person wasn't there? So the gentleman did that. And then he called everyone in individually and sat down with 19 different men, most of them were welders. And he said, we've been working together these many years. I don't think I ever told you how much I would miss if you were not here. And they explained in terms of their timeliness, their teamwork, their expertise, their knowledge, their willing to collaborate. And what did he find? Men that he had worked with for almost 20 years in some situations were totally taken by off guard and began to cry. 
not tell each other how much we care about each other, how much we mean to each other. Isn't it interesting? We live in a culture of deficiency where we much rather criticize and judge than compliment. We much rather destroy people in the process of arguing than really listening to another point of view and looking for a common ground that makes all of our lives better. The power of our language. With one word, I can lift someone up. With another word, I can tear them down. With one word, I can honor someone or I can humiliate. How important that is, the words that we speak. All of our students this year at the Terrible University are reading the Declaration of Independence. 1,600 words. Well, many people talk about the Declaration of Independence, and they, they, they think they know what's in it, but they never have taken the time to reach 1,600 sincere, deliberate, and well-crafted words. And the last line of the Declaration of Independence is this, the last of the 1,600 words, with a belief in divine providence, we pledge our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred trust. The framers of the Declaration of Independence, the founders of this country, gave us their word as to how we might live together in searching for a common good and creating a democracy where every voice is heard. And when we give our word, we keep it. There's a poem that I like to recite to groups and then have them recited back, but of course that's not possible in a podcast, so I'll just recite it for you twice. It goes like this. A word is dead when it is said, some say. I say it just begins to live that day. I will repeat. A word is dead when it is said, some say. I say it just begins to live that day. Words stay with us for a lifetime. They have a power of their own that we always remember. To be in a healthy relationship with another human being, we need five comments of appreciation to everyone's criticism. Do you give your five every day? you get your five every day? What does it feel like to be appreciated by a complete stranger or a small act of kindness or courtesy to someone that we've never met before? How important that is in building civility within a country. One of my things that is very important, all of us were growing up, we were always told to say please and thank you, not just when we felt like it, but in our daily interactions with each other. Therefore, it became a habit courtesy, uh, courtesy were the words that were learned at court. It comes from medieval uh, times. But the way in which we speak to and with each other with honor, reverence, and respect. Five comments of appreciation to everyone of criticism. How rare this has become. I'm like, like all of you. We get a little email comment and you look at it and delete. But if somebody takes the time, to write a thank you card and have some sincere, thoughtful words of kindness for work that has been done. It means the world. I was working with a plumbing group, and a guy was a plumbing contractor, and his business had become quite successful. And on Friday afternoons, it was his practice to sit down and write handwritten letters to members of his crew. He'd write handwritten letters to members of his crew, and then he would personally sign them and address them and send them to the person's home. 
So you can imagine when the person got home and there's a letter there from the boss and, and the wife and the children, everybody wants to know, what did they have to say about you? And the plumber would open it up and would read to the family what their boss, owner of the company, had to say about them. What we found amazing was that he would have retirement parties for everybody who had worked with him for a number of years, and inevitably, people would bring the thank you letters with them. Isn't that extraordinary? How is it that we build loyalty? How is it that we strengthen our cultures and our workplaces without the power of appreciation? Who wants to work with us? I was talking like this in one of our classes and one of my students came up two weeks later and said, Tom, appreciate this, appreciate that. He said, it starting to irritate me after a while. And I thought, why does this irritate me? Why is this painful for me? And I sat there and I reflected and thought, you know, I've been married for 25 years. And as I was thinking about it, my wife has pretty much done all the work. My wife has taken all care of all the medical appointments, dental appointments, back-to-school appointments. My wife does the grocery shopping. She makes the meals. My wife pays the bills. My wife cleans the house. She does the laundry. My wife has her own full-time job, but she takes care of the kids' social life. She takes care of our social life. She keeps in contact with the extended family, and she plans all the holidays. I have my job, I have my buddies. I go hunting and fishing when I want to go hunting and fishing, but I do the lawn in the summertime. So my wife has done all the work, and I realize how little appreciation I've shown. How few times I've said thank you. How much it means to me. Well, the reason I got involved in servant leadership, he said, is I wanted to change. So one night on his way home, he stopped and he bought a card, and in the card he wrote to his wife how much he appreciated her all the things she had done for them, their family these many years, how much he loved her, and how much he was willing to recommit himself to the marriage and family because he knew by his recommitment he could make their lives better. Put the card on her pillow midweek and went off to work and came home after running the scoreboard at a high school basketball game. It's about 8.30 at night. His wife is sitting at the kitchen table, the card's in front of her unopened, and she's crying. And he comes in and he says, Don, what's wrong? He says, you haven't opened the card. She says, I don't need to. Why is that? He said, I know what's in it. What's in it? He asked. And she looked up at him in a tearful voice and said, you're leaving me, aren't you? What was she supposed to think? He never told her how much he loved her, how much he appreciated her. The greatest pain in the life of a man, and I've worked with men now for the last 40 years in a number of different settings, the greatest pain in the life of a man is never having heard his father say, I love you. What are we waiting for? The eulogy? The funeral? Why is it we cannot invest our words of appreciation, love, comfort, and support in each other why is it that we are drawn to criticism and judgment on other people's lives? You know, it's right there in the language, the word gossip. Gossip is a, is a, is a powerful word, and it's powerful within a community, in a workplace, in a family. Gossip comes from two Anglo-Saxon words, God and sibling. Gossip is God talk about our brothers and sisters. And when we do it well, we build each other up. When we do it poorly, we tear the community apart. The power
power of our conversations to shape our lives, our workplaces, our communities, our democracy. 25 years ago, my father had gone in for day surgery. Don't worry, he said. I'll be okay. He gave us his word. He came out of surgery battered, bruised, and speechless. And we learned a new word, stroke. We brought him to La Crosse so we could care for him, my brothers and sisters and I. There are six of us and three of us live here, so it was easier for the three of us to see Dad on a regular basis. And one Saturday night, 25 years ago this week, my brother and I were there, and a hospice nurse comes in, a kind woman, and she had been visiting my father, and she came in and she sat on his bed, and we were there, and she took my father's hand, and she said, Greg, you're dying. I know this, and you know this. Your boys, they don't want to hear it. Greg, you're dying. Greg, we love you, and we will take care of you every moment of your life. A woman whose name I do not know, her words I will never forget. She came into our lives and she spoke the truth with love. She said words of compassion and tenderness, which helped us to understand that my dad's stroke was not going to reverse itself, congestive heart failure was not going away, and that each day became that much more precious. How many times in the course of today will strangers walk into the lives of the others and speak words of comfort and truth, love and consolation, words of healing and reconciliation? Isn't this what we're all called to do? The power of our language. So I conclude today in honor of my father. This is a piece that I wrote and it's committed to memory, and it goes like this. Words, words, words. English, Latin, Greek, Anglo-Saxon. I love words because my father taught me to love words. My father loved crossword puzzles. My father loved to play the game of Scrabble. He was an attorney. We were literally fed by his words. And when he take me to go to watch him argue cases. I saw my father speak so eloquently, sometimes in Wisconsin Rapids and Wapaka, and one time in front of the state Supreme Court, where he argued on behalf of a woman who lived in the country who needed someone to speak for her, his words. My father loved puns and corny jokes, and I loved it when I was in the car with him and had his words all to myself. And he would say to me, Tom, a pun is enough spelled backwards, and I've just had about enough out of you. But after his stroke, the words that gave him so much delight were trapped behind his eyes. And instead of flowing, they came out like drops of a faucet, one at a time. But this is what we learned. We become our habits. The patterns of speech that we use for a lifetime are with us at the end of our life. And these are the three patterns of speech that my father had at the end of his life. When I was growing up, my father would give us our bath on Saturday nights during Paladin so he could get down and watch Gunsmoke. While we were in the bathtub, he would teach us his favorite songs and all the music I learned while I was naked 
and then he would help us get into our jammies, and he would sit on the end of our bed, and he would tell us stories about his wonder dog, his Irish setter, Pat. Pat the wonder dog, who grew up with him on a farm in Coleman, Wisconsin. Pat was his constant companion. One time in a big baseball game against Pound, where they only had eight players, Pat played right field. They weren't too surprised to see that a dog could catch, but were they surprised when he came up to bat? Pat, the wonder dog, who climbed up onto the roof one year during a storm and called out to Santa's reindeer, and she spoke reindeer when he, when he had to, and he brought in Santa and the sleigh and saved Christmas for the children of Coleman. All these marvelous, magical stories. And afterwards, he'd pull the covers up tight, and he'd bend down and kiss us both on the forehead and say, I love you. After his stroke, and we brought him to La Crosse, Wisconsin, it was my privilege, my privilege on Saturday nights to go to the nursing home. And I would sit on my father's bed after I'd given him his bath, and I would tell him those same stories and sing those songs. And then I would pull the covers up tight and kiss him on the forehead. And then I heard those words that I'll carry with me to eternity. I love you. The second pattern of words that he had at the end of his life were words that he taught us on the golf course. Those words would be used on the golf course and no place else. So it was kind of funny when he was walking around the nursing home saying, let's get the hell out of here, let's get the hell out of here, let's get the hell out of here. One day I got a call from the hospital. We had brought him in for congestive heart failure. And they called me and they said, Tom, we lost your father. I said, you lost him? He was in intensive care. Then they brought him to the heart unit. And the heart unit, his room was right behind the nurse's station. Well, he got up, found his clothes, unhooked himself from all the machines, snuck down the hallway, climbed down five flights of stairs, walked about two blocks, opened the car door, jumped in, said to the woman who was driving, let's get the hell out of here. Thank God she was a nurse and brought him back. And finally, the last pattern of words were his most favorite. Thank you. Thank you very much. All the time when we were growing up, whether we went to a cafe or a diner or sometimes a nicer restaurant, my father was always polite and generous with the wait staff. He always appreciated those people who served him and was generous with his compliments, his appreciation, and a tip. So at the end of his life, the last three months when he was living in the nursing home, every time somebody brought him a plate of food, thank you. Every time somebody helped him with his shoes, thank you so much. Brought his medication, oh, thank you. What kind of care would you suspect my father received? Very good. Because we all reap what we sow. The words that we use in kindness and compassion, in gentleness and courtesy, they all come back to us. Words, words, words. Powerful, sacred, loving, remembered for a lifetime. Today, have meaningful conversations in which your words honor, respect, and lift up all those that you come in contact with. Our thanks to Tom Thibodeau for today's message. Tom, a distinguished professor of servant leadership at Viterbo University. And for archived podcasts and more on-demand programs, and for more on the professional development for today's dairy producer, head to PDPW's free website at pdpw.org. Until next time, 
Have a safe and productive week.